Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Global Data Pod Research Wrap. I am your host, Nora Santivani, Global Economist at JP Morgan. And joining me today is my colleague, Katie Marney from the EM Economics team. Hi, Katie. Hi, Nora. Good to have you again. All right, so today we want to talk about emerging markets, unsurprisingly, and we will be talking mainly about capital flows, but we also want to broaden out the discussion to cover EM growth, monetary policy, you know, in a year where many things on the economic front are going well, but many things can still go wrong. Um, In particular, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty over the outlook for the US economy and the Fed. So maybe just to set the scene here for EM, 2022 was a year of multiple large adverse shocks, uh, but the macroeconomic backdrop for emerging markets has been improving in recent months. Uh, Several sources of uncertainty have lifted. And I'll mention three here. The first one, and I think this is a crucial one for EM, is the pullback in inflation. So last year, we had a surge in global food prices, energy prices, and you know that pushed inflation up to multi-decade highs. EM was particularly badly affected with food, for example, um, accounting for a very large share of CPI baskets. But what we see in the latest data is all good. This inflation gathered steam at the, at the turn of the year. Uh, included in this is uh, the sharp drop in European natural gas prices, which in turn has reduced uh, near-term recession risks in Europe. I think the U.S. data as well in terms of near-term recession risks have been receding. So this disinflation is clearly um, ongoing and is benefiting uh, the outlook for, for growth. Second, faster than expected, uh, reopening of China. That means that one of the biggest headwinds uh, to global NEM growth uh, that we had for the past couple of years is ending. Our China team have an earlier and stronger reopening bounce in their forecast. Their full year growth of 5.6% in China. And, you know, the resulting positive shift in sentiment is is potentially quite large. And and, and Katie will talk about that uh, in in, in a little bit. And the third one is that DM central banks, uh, including the Fed, have been slowing the pace of their tightening. The dollar has been on a broad weakening path uh, since October last year, and the resulting easing of financial conditions has broadly reduced financial stability risks in EM, reduced pressure, downward pressure on EMFX reserves uh, that were previously urging central banks in EM to keep tightening. So all of these supportive factors have meant a pretty strong start to the year for EM assets, and then markets have move to price and rate cuts across much of EM. Uh, Listeners will probably be wondering about uh, last Friday's uh, bumper US payroll report and what that might mean for EM. And we will cover that in this podcast in a little bit. Uh, The bottom line is we don't think it changes the overwhelmingly benign environment for EM. But first, let's start uh, with what we're actually seeing on the ground in terms of EM capital flows uh, to start the year to remind our listeners Katie launched a new tool for tracking uh, broad capital flows into emerging markets last October. We did a podcast on that. So if you need a refresher, uh, please listen to that one, a new tracker for EM capital flows, uh, which we recorded in October last year. Okay, Katie, with that intro out of the way, please bring us up to speed in terms of what's been happening in recent months uh, in EM capital flows and at the start of the year, what are you seeing? Thanks, Nora. 
January was an historically strong month for EM portfolio flows. Just to give you a sense of scale, we counted about 30 billion of portfolio inflows across EM debt and equities, compared to about 20 billion on average for the month um, historically. So at the end of last year, we had a sense that EM portfolio flows, given lighter um, investor positioning, according to the, the tracking that our strategy team does, we're looking for catalysts after sitting on the sidelines. Um, portfolio flows and just capital flows in general in the fourth quarter were very benign, but we did start to see little hints that there could be a leap. So for example, in November, despite the Fed hiking 75 basis points, we saw a large intermonth weakening in the dollar, about six and a half percent. And this was even before China announced you know, its reopening move. Uh, this prompted the strongest month of portfolio inflows in DM since September of 2021. But since then, as you said, we've had a lot of good news between sustained dollar weakness, um, the disinflation, um, globally confirmation that the Fed was downshifting, and finally China reopening. So this is this has spurred a strong inflow into local debt and equities in EM. And then since the year, we've also had hard currency jet debt joining the party, so to speak. Okay, no, that all sounds good. I mean, I guess in terms of to what extent these inflows can be sustained, right? This is really the question we want to be asking ourselves here. You know, a lot of it, as you say, because it's been portfolio inflow driven, a lot of it will probably be depend on how much scope central banks and EM really will have to ease policy here um, in coming months. And, you know, as I noted, markets are pricing in more easing than our economists are expecting in the majority of countries we cover. So that kind of shift to a more dovish stance is, is, is broadly priced. And, you know, I think a lot of that probably can be validated by this very large disinflation uh, that we're likely to get in coming months. Uh, we, we did a research wrap on this a few weeks ago, uh, the next leg down in inflation. You know, we highlighted that EM countries will see some of the largest declines in inflation, averaging 300 basis points in the first half of the year, some as much as 500 basis points. And this disinflation will bring inflation fairly close to central bank targets by the end of the year, not for everybody, but for you know, a good chunk of the core EM group that we're talking about here. Uh, real interest rates are already in positive territory, quite restrictive, especially in Latin America. So look, near term, I think EM central banks might resist cutting rates, but eventually I think if we get this supportive external backdrop continuing, we get you know, dollar weakness getting sustained, the risk on environment is here to stay, uh, recession risks in the US are receding, that, that could tempt some of these central banks to ease um, more or less in line with what the market's pricing. Uh, so, uh, you know, we have some of this in our forecast. We have a couple of central banks cutting already in the first half of the year. There's Chile, there's Hungary, there's Russia. Second half of the year, we think Czech, Brazil, South Africa, India. Um, so, yeah, all in all, uh, I think we're feeling still pretty good about the, the prospects for some of this easing to get to get delivered. Now, I think, Katie, the other thing we should talk about is China, right? China reopening, and that's been, I, I guess, an important factor for, for EM capital flows. Uh, as I mentioned, we're looking for an earlier uh, reopening, a front-loaded growth boost. Um, much of that is already happening in the first quarter. Are we seeing much impact from China reopening on EM capital flows uh, who have been the main beneficiaries so far? 
That's right, Nora. I think that the China reopening has really just added fuel to the fire. So even though, you know, our Asia economics team, for example, has written that they there are a few direct spillovers to EM outside of, say, tourism and financial flows for the EM Asia region, we do think there is a large uh, sentiment shift happening in the EM due to the fact that the world's second largest economy is reopening after two years of, you know, stop-start economic growth. Uh, and we think that sentiment shift can be large and can sustain um, a broader sort of rally for EM. This removes another source of uncertainty ultimately for the EM outlook on top of, you know, as we said, um, disinflation, the Fed. Um, and so, you know, what we've been seeing at a more granular level across the EM regions is that EM Asia, Asia has been the big beneficiary of um, this, you know, this shift. Um, I should say that there were flows returning to EM Asia since the second half of last year. Um, and then since the China announcement, uh, we've seen the largest equity inflows in DM Asia. Um, there has been some, for example, you know, Brazil has, has seen sustained uh, equity inflows as well, but I would say the bulk has been to EM Asia. Interestingly, the only country that we haven't seen, um, you know, ben a beneficiary, um, so to speak, is, is India, which has actually seen equity outflows since the start of the year. We are also seeing a shift um, for China, you know, more directly. So we have been tracking uh, large equity inflows basically since the December, you know, late November, December announcement. Um, but the, the hard data are also pointing to, um, you know, to improvements now in, in bond flows before it had been mainly in equities. Uh, we think that as the first hard data start to come out of China, um, in sort of February, April, um, you know, confirming the rebound after the Lunar New Year holiday, uh, we think that uh, that will continue to support inflows into China and to EM more, more broadly. Um, so, you know, again, to, to reinforce the story that we've been telling up to this point, which has been mainly, um, you know, based on the high frequency data that we can track. So you've got this high frequency tracker for, for capital flows, but I, you know, I recall and, you know, I know and in, in we've written about this several times, we have another kind of workhorse model that we've used for uh, EM capital flows that relies more on EM, DM growth differentials and the dollar. What is that model telling us about the outlook for capital flows, you know, this quarter and the coming quarter? Because clearly there's been a big, big shift here in the EM, DM growth differential with China rebounding so strongly. That's right, Nora. So we generally use the dollar and EMDM growth differential, which is essentially a question of how much growth does EM need to compensate investors for adding the risk of you know, investing in EM. Um, and this we've used this to guide our, our longer term view on capital flows. Uh, the move in the dollar has been a big one, as we said, um, and we think you know that barring um, you know some some news in the US, we think that that can be sustained. Um, but we also have growth differentials widening. Um, you know, the end of last year, just for just for you know background, the EMD of growth differential was was zero, um, and we have it widening out to in the first half of this year to about one and a half points. And so, you know, in general, um, because we have both of these variables moving in a supportive direction for EM, um, again, the the dollar weakening and then also EMDM growth differential lining out, uh, this will be supportive for capital flows. Um, in round numbers, we think that, um, you know, that would support an average flow of about 80 billion a quarter to EM. Uh, and this, this compares to about, you know, 40 to 50 last year, for example. All right. So uh, we've painted a pretty positive picture here for EM, I feel so far. But of course, not all is positive, right? If, if you think about the backdrop we're heading into, uh, this is a, a backdrop where globally interest rates are 
rising and they're high. Uh, and, you know, that probably has some knock-on effects for EMs, right? You recently, uh, I think, recorded a podcast on the edge countries where you talked about the inability of some of the frontier EMs to meet their external financing needs and debt obligations. And clearly this tightening in monetary policy globally and in EM as well will have ramifications for growth. So what are the main headwinds here in your mind for the core EM universe and how is this going to be showing up in capital flows, you think? Yeah, so I mean, you know, notwithstanding the the sort of optimism that we've seen on the portfolio front so far this year, uh, from a big picture perspective, we are seeing that high global rates and subdued, although, you know, more resilient than we had previously thought, um, you know, an outlook on growth is weighing on capital flows through lower FDI. So we have a, an M&A activity tracker, which we use as a proxy for FDI. And you know, that continues to show a notable drop-off in deals since about March of last year, which will which should point to weak FDI um, at the start of this year, again, notwithstanding all of these positive headwinds or tailwinds. Um, as we talked about last time, uh, as a result, EMs got more creative to fund themselves last year, and that helped avoid a more disorderly adjustment. But you know, given that the more the, the recent rebound in flows has been mainly debt and equity, um, if that fades, then the base for EM capital flows is actually quite low because again, FDI really underpins a lot of um, EM funding, and that still has not lifted despite the sort of you know better the better news we've seen recently. Um, if in the extreme, uh, you know, there, I should say the risk is that, um, you know, if the U.S. disinflation stalls or if the labor market stays strong, as you know, we saw in last Friday's jobs data, uh, the markets could materially reprice the Fed. And if that is accompanied by a stronger dollar, then EM flows would be part back. Um, in the extreme, if it becomes clear that a 5% Fed's fund rate, you know, our U.S. economists um, added another 25 basis points uh, to their to their rates call, taking peak rate to 525. Um, you know, if that becomes clear that that isn't enough and that the risks of a hard landing uh, are increasing, um, again, this isn't our base case. You know, we 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 think our you know our sort of modal view is is one of a, a soft landing. Um, but if this becomes a possibility, then a potential risk off would be negative for EM. Um, however, as long as the disinflation continues in the US, uh, we don't have another upside surprise in the jobs data next month uh, that, you know, the January's number uh, ends up being sort of one data point. Um, we think that the other supportive developments in the, you know, the broader universe um, for EM will be supportive for flows this quarter. Uh, so, and then I, the last point I should say really is just that, you know, relative to last summer, we also think EM is better equipped um, to face these potential headwinds because uh, we have seen more reserve accumulation as a result of these, you know, these positive developments. Um, so EM's buffers to face potential stresses are higher. Uh, but overall, you know, that's how we're thinking about it. Uh, we, you know, we do think that, um, you know, notwithstanding, again, the jobs data that, you know, all of the kind of positive developments yeah. we've been talking about will be supportive enough to sustain EM flows this quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would agree with that. I think for me, the main takeaway is that the probability of a near-term U.S. recession has really gone down here, right? And at least in the near term, that's a positive. Yes, the medium-term consequences of a stronger U.S. expansion are unclear. It might require the Fed to hike more. But for now, surprisingly, high employment is coming alongside slowing wage growth and inflation. So I'm going to take that good news for now 
And that's the kind of Goldilocks interpretation. So I think we're going to run for that for the time being. Uh, thank you so much, Katie, for, for joining. Yeah. Thank you to our listeners. And we look forward to continuing the conversation in the next Global Data Pod Research Wrap. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on February 7th, 2023.